Good evening, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Welcome to our Wednesday night service. Stefan is here with me again this evening, and it's kind of uh, bittersweet in the sense that this will be our last one that you and I do uh, for this summer anyway, because we're going to be taking a break after next week um, and taking the summer off and hopefully everybody having fun and um, getting focused and spending time with our family and looking for ways to make disciples at home and, and at work and um, kind of getting back to normal life without being completely normal like we used to be, but normal in the new way that we're disciple makers, whatever that looks like. So it is great to have you. We're glad you're here. And uh, we are, again, going to do what we did last week. Uh, there won't be any scripture up on the screen. Stefan and I uh, are going to open up James 5, and we're going to read through, starting in verse 7, with you guys and just talk through the passage and what we're seeing in here. Um, and hopefully, as you hear us wrestling with it and you're engaged in the text, you'll be encouraged and challenged and uh, find it to be uh, just a great time of um, maybe— I don't know, maybe motivating people to say it, you really can open your Bible up. Use the tools that are in your Bible or in your, your app. You use um, the Blue Letter Bible, right, on, on your iPad. And uh, it's got apps and cross-references and things you can go in and study the text and, and learn all kinds of stuff about it. So um, that's what we're hoping to encourage you to do, and that you can actually do that together, get somebody like, like a buddy uh, that'll come and hang out with you, like Stefan and Ben and other guys have done with me. Where we can sit down and yeah, talk. Yeah, just call me. I'll come hang out with you there, and study the word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Make sure your phone's turned off. Your pride <laughs> may be calling here in just a few uh -oh. minutes. Hello. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I got to turn my phone off. I didn't do that. Hey, everybody, turn your phones off, would you? So you can join I'm us and not be distracted. I'll set it there. So, anyway. Um, so we're in James chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to read through verse 12 tonight. Do you, so. do you think we should start in verse 1 of 5 just because there's a therefore that we're starting on in, in 7? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Let's do that. We'll read the whole, we'll read through 12. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and start start there in verse 1, and let's read that read that passage. What translation are you reading out of again? NASB. NASB tonight. Okay. Yep. Very good. One of, right. That's one of my favorites. I actually really like the NASB. That's that's one of my favorite translations. Yeah, it's easier for me to get my mind around than some of the other ones. Yep. For sure. All right. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is mm -hmm. merciful. 
But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. The reality is there's so much in there. We probably need another month to get through this. (laughs) Um, But tonight we're just going to, we're going to, we'll just start walking through the passage and wrestling with it um, and, and looking at it. Thanks again for reminding us again of last week, just the, the 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 focus that James has on the heart of the church at that this point is brutal. Yeah, oh, it's it's very convicting for us yeah. as Christians. It's like are, you have to put yourself in those shoes. Are, are we doing this right? You know, and that's why last time we were talking, it was it was about you know this is really. We each have to approach this book on a personal level. Yes, absolutely. It can't be something that we we blame the church on for our own condition. Right. Um, the or yeah. the apostasy of the the whole is the condition of the of of me. Yeah. Right. That's absolutely. You know, we come to God on our own. <laughs> yeah, and and isn't it so important? And isn't it interesting that in this in in the first part of chapter five there. To, to use the language of luxury and self-indulgent, even of the church at that time, um, you know, early on in, in, in uh, the early days after Jesus was killed and resurrected and went to heaven, you know, the church wasn't under the same kind of persecution that they were a few years later, but it still wasn't, it, it wasn't just all, you know, um, I don't know what the what's a jubilant thing that we have today, but it wasn't all roses yeah. in that sense because you had the Pharisees who were who were out trying to stop all of this and the disciples being beat for sharing their faith and continuing to grow the ministry. Yeah, yeah. So and where did luxury and self indulgence come from <laughs> in that process? And and so it's just very convicting in my heart how much more guilty I could easily be of this or am of being uh, living a life of luxury and self-indulgence and fat, fattening my heart for the day of slaughter without even realizing it because I'm yeah. so used to comfort. And I and I really hope that this isn't us, you know, the specifically verse 1 through through yeah. 6 there. And I think I, I don't know if he's speak, speaking directly about the church at this time. Like he could be speaking giving them an example because in verse 7 he says therefore you know, because of this, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is an example of what we shouldn't be. Right. It's kind of like back in chapter three when when he says, Great. Good "These point. things should not be this way, brethren." Yep. You know, so he's making this, he's comparing and contrasting, um, the life of of the typical man, the yeah. the, the natural man, right, with how our lives should be. Yep. I think, and and which would make sense because you got granted, become now rich. Yeah. Granted, some of us fall into this category, sadly. Yep. And, you know. Yep. Our focus is not on what it should be. Yep. Um, Interesting. That's a great point. See, this is what I love about doing the dialogue and interacting with one another, because even as we wrestled with it last week, we really looked at it from a, from a personal perspective. Is this us? Is it the church? Mm-hmm. Is this how we're living? And there's moments where I feel like it is. Yeah. I, I feel like as we look at the church and as we, um, as we get the conviction of earlier in James, in James chapter 4, that why are there why are, why is there quarreling and bit, you know fighting amongst you? It's because you're murderers and, and adulterers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, ah, oh. you know, when when you see that, and then you see some of the language in here, and it fits. It 
feels like it applies, I think we're right. We we need to look at that and say, Lord, don't let that be us. Mm-hmm. Open yeah, it's our almost eyes. it's almost a warning. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it, right? Yeah. It, and then I love I love how he goes. Therefore, be patient. Be patient. Yeah. At, at first, it's like, is that? It doesn't. How make, does that correlate does that... with not being rich? I, I think, though, it ties into the last part of verse 6, right? You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. It, it, I think it ties into the mistreatment of the righteous yeah. person waiting for Being the Lord to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I also think it could be, uh, you know, those who have pursued uh, riches in this life and, and accumulated goods and pleasures and all these things, um, they haven't been patient. You know, they've they've pursued um, gratification, immediate gratification oh, yeah. in this life. Yep. And I think later on he says, you know, he gives us an example of of patience being the well in verse seven there, the farmer who waits precious waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. It's like, um, you know, we have reward and we should. Just like that rich man, he has aspirations, he has goals and pursuits, yep. and we need to have goals and pursuits. They're different, and the reward is not immediate Right, like that man. He gets his reward, and, and it's okay it to does. pursue those things. Right. And you know your Absolutely. reward's going to be in the now. Absolutely. But that shouldn't be our pursuit, Right, you know, our ultimate It, it shouldn't goal. be the worship of what it should not consume our lives. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be our worship. What's interesting about farming, I grew up farming. Um, my mom and dad, we actually had draft horses most of my farm life. And so, um, I love draft horses. Well, when you talk about being patient as a farmer, I I remember, you know, my dad, the patience as a farmer did not come because he sat back and didn't keep his eye on the field and didn't have, uh, intense interest in how the product was doing, what the weather looked like what time of year it was, whether the equipment, I mean, there was so much that went on with waiting for the harvest, mm-hmm. but the harvest was something he couldn't do anything about. He, he couldn't make it grow or make it mature better mm-hmm. or manage the rain and the, the seasons. Um, and so he worked really hard to try and be ready during spring when it was time to plant, to be ready for the summertime when it was time to, to nurture the crop or to, to, to cultivate or to do those things, and then to be ready for yeah. the harvest, he was very focused. Um, and and we, we canceled vacation, and we, can't, we did other things that would require us to be ready so that when the harvest showed up, we got it in the barn. Because if we weren't ready, mm-hmm. we lost it. It's almost like you have to be patient, but you have to be watchful yes. and reliant on the providence of God. <laughs> I, I really think that's why he uses the farmer there. Yeah. There's so many... Uh, there's so much metaphor and analogy in this life to show us spiritual truths. Yeah. I mean, just if you go out and you live life and you're in the word, yep. it, it just comes alive with truth. Right. It's amazing. And because and I, I, I honestly believe this is one of the, one of the things that I, gives me such hope and so much joy in, in being in the text is that God actually designed plants to grow in a way that reflected the spiritual reality of what he had put in the, in the hearts of man and in the relationship between him and God. Mm-hmm. And so um, weeds have a specific uh, design that God gave them 
to be specifically annoying noxious noxious cho- choking other terrible good things plants out. but it it was perfect for the use that he gave him to to reflect the 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 contrary rebellious heart of man and mm-hmm. and and to put us into that labor in this farming thing paul i love cuz paul uses this analogy i think it's in first corinthians where he talks about apollos uh, the, you know paul planted apollos watered but god brought forth the growth mm-hmm. and and so i think it's a similar illustration when you take farming and he says be patient i love that i just it it hit me as we were thinking through that the farmer is focused but he can't change when the harvest he can't make it come faster he can't do anything about that piece so he anticipates and is prepared to do it but he moves the moment it happens a good farmer does yeah <laughs> bad farmer no, sure don't. ties it back to chapter four or two you know not going to a city and making plans <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but, but relying the on the lord yeah absolutely making sure he's in it well and imagine so if this is them waiting on the lord's return so this is them, because uh, he says soon here, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Shortly after Verse that, eight, he talks about the Lord's coming is at hand. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. So obviously they're anticipating the return of Christ. And probably the more difficult it got, the more, the more the suffering intensified, the more they anticipated his return. Mm-hmm. And yet, and he's saying be patient, which is not sitting back, lazily or in comfort mm-hmm. but i really think in that farmer illustration it's about being intentional and being focused and anticipating yeah i, I love like that here to strengthen your hearts for the coming of the lord is near mm. like how do you how do you strengthen your heart interesting it, it has it directly ties to your hope being fixed in the lord's imminence yeah you know in his yeah. presence and in Later, just in verse nine, there he says, "Behold, the judge is standing right at the door." You know, right? There's, it, there's God is right here. He's imminent. He's yeah. imminent. Yep. And interesting. He's right behind that door. You and I were talking about this earlier too, just a little bit about, um, you know, the perspective of the fact that he's right here. It's imminent. How short our lives really are in the reality of eternity. And so he can say these kind of things and, and, and have it be the lifetime of an individual, but that lifetime in the scope of eternity is just a vapor. It, it's just a moment yeah. in eternity. And so for the believer to really be patient as a farmer would be patient for a crop, as a believer waits for the Lord to return, you really need to have a clear view of who God is. Like it, it's important. So my thought when we talk about um, my text says establish your heart. So it's this yeah. idea of securing it. I think you you may mentioned securing it, um, but it's it's really to be make it, have it attached to a foundation. Yeah, the it. right to fix it to have it yeah. fixed on what it's got to be God. Yep. It has to be the character of who He is, who's made the promise, and what the promise is, which is an amazing thing because it was his return <laughs> it's our presence with him yeah the culmination of all this suffering and all this struggling and, and striving and yeah yeah and then what i love what he does in this sort of um <laughs> because what does he do in, in in verse nine he goes right back to chapter four and starts beating the church up on their behavior again with one another yeah 
Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I mean, he, went, he goes right when back to our behavior. do we ever grumble at each other? No. We don't <laughs> ever. We love all believers that come to our church. <laughs> oh, we, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're not supposed to laugh at that one. That was, are we? We do. We just don't always like Yes, all the believers. We do, and unfortunately, we do grumble mm-hmm. against one another because we get our feelings hurt or I, we have opinions. And I don't ruined. know exactly what that word is, grumble there, but I think about grumbling. Like there's, you're grumble, grumbling against someone else. There's there's going to be judgment involved. You're yeah. judging that other person. Yep. yep. Um, for something he or she has done at your expense. Um, yep. And. The issue with that, well, we're told not to judge each other lest we be judged. Right. Um, but it causes disunity yep. in the body of Christ. Yep. yep. And division. That's it's interesting. It, I don't I don't I'm not sure if we're gonna actually see it in here, but the division in the church I think is so much more important to God than what we realize. I, I honest I really don't feel like we especially in the American church, I really don't feel like we have a clear grasp on the gravity of division and gossip and the woundedness of how we treat one another in the church. And my guess is it's because we really don't see it as the actual body of Christ. Somehow we've disassociated from all of the text that we read. And it's, it, there's a pair, I mean, it's just a pile of text mm-hmm. in the New Testament that says we are his body, we're members, we're connected, we're one, the unity. I mean, all of that stuff that Jesus talks about and Paul talks about and Peter talks about. And it's almost like we've disconnected that and somehow we're like, well, yeah, the body will be together someday. You know, when Jesus gets back, then he'll put his body together. That's not what the text says. It says we are his body right now and he's building it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ephesians says he's in the process of building it. Yeah, with every member. Yeah, yeah, we, we are the the dwelling place of God. He, <laughs> if we're the dwelling place of God and we're divided, yeah, that's not very honoring. Well, that's to interesting. Our... Well, that's interesting, right? Because Jesus says that the divi- a kingdom divided cannot stand. I yeah. hadn't, or I a, hadn't or actually. Did he say kingdom or a house? A house but, divided. House yeah. divided. Right. Correct. But yeah. The point's the same. But he can't, you can't stand. No, and it, in fact, I mean... Interesting. Like, I haven't... I'm not a history buff by any means, but I do know that most of the greatest civilizations that have ever survived and thrived on this earth have, have all fallen because of disunity right. within itself. Yep. Not because of outside forces, but because of... The chaos of the inside forces Absolutely. turning on each other. Absolutely, and that's that's what God doesn't want with His church. kingdom and yeah. with His house. Well, and it, it's stronger than doesn't want, <laughs> right? Because He says we'll be judged yeah. like we judge others. Mm. It's stronger than doesn't want. He says it doesn't happen because the you're gonna you will receive the same judgment that you're passing along to other people. I mean, that's not my words. He makes it pretty clear, I think, yeah. that it, it, this is a very serious thing to him. Um, I, I, was, I was driving today home from work, and I saw a sign uh, that said, uh, turn off the news, love your neighbor. Yeah. 
and I I didn't realize that that would be relating to tonight and our our passage here, but that's we get so caught up in in the bad in mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. you know um, everything that's happening around us that's happening to us negatively, and we accuse every single every person outside of our circle for what's going on. Yeah, like it, it everybody's incriminated because of because of suffering. Right. <laughs> and so we treat people like enemies. We treat them like yep. they're they're the issue. I Well, and, and look at the church. Look at the divisions in the church. I get it. There's going to be some division because Paul himself even says there are goats and there's and there's sheep and, and that there has to be division to be able to show the difference in those. But we have we have churches in the denominate and even just in our own EFCA denomination, we have divisions that have been building in that uh, denomination, um, even though we have our doctrinal statement of faith, and we're in the process now where there's some there's some division building over th- over prophecy and future things to happen, and and when we when we talk about those things, when we engage in those things, and we actually start dividing, I think we're I think we're missing a real paramount aspect of this. In fact, we I was reading a text. Um, and I can't remember where it was at now, but uh, it was in it was Titus. I think it's Titus, and he says, "Don't get caught up in arguments about the law." Mm. <laughs> Isn't that what we're supposed to argue about? Yeah, aren't I we mean, supposed to if meditate fight, on the law and yeah, really know it. And if we're gonna fight in church, we should fight about what the Bible says. Yeah. Paul says, "Don't get caught up in that mm. endless genealogies and all of this traditional stuff that the Jews." We're running around fighting with each other about. And Paul says the church shouldn't look like this. Why? Because we have one spirit, one God, one Lord, one Savior, one baptism. Mm-hmm. What are we preaching on oneness for? How did we get? Oh, that's right, because he said, do not grumble against one another, brothers, that you may not be judged. In verse 7. Or verse grumbling. Eight. Grumbling went to. <laughs> okay, well, now what I just want to share with our computer audience, internet audience, that's what you call a soapbox. And so when you're reading a text and you see something that has been on your heart and that God's been working on you over and over and over again in other passages, you will read, do not grumble, and you'll be like, and then it it comes out because there's a ton more in here that we need to get to. Uh, But that's exactly what that is. When when you read a text and it's something that that resonates with other texts that God's been doing in your heart, you, you it just has more impact. It, it yeah. drops on you like a ton which, of bricks. Which shows you the more you're in the Word of God, the more you're gonna have those moments. Bingo. The more it's gonna be a heart issue and convict yes. your heart and work in you. Absolutely. So if you don't want to grow in your relationship with the Lord, don't read your Bible. <laughs> that was the conclusion of that. <laughs> But if you do want to grow, read it. That's the point. Well, I Be think, in the Word. Yeah, I mean, that's... It, you can look at James and think it's all conservatism and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know... Yep, rules and behavior modification. And yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Absolutely. But it, it really... It's just about living life and knowing God. Yes. Pursuing Ultimately. God. Right, and I... Th- I honestly, I think that's the point. That's why he keeps bringing up who God is, is because the point in in a, in a faithful walk with God is realizing who he is. How do we live patiently? 
How do we trust? It's when we know God for who he is, and, and we know that he's outside of time. We know that he's infinite. We know that he's sovereign. We know all of these things so that when we see the mess in our lives, we can go, but you said it's good. You said, you said I can trust you in this spot. Mm-hmm. If we don't know him, how are we going to trust him in that moment? Be and careful I think because it's a critical part. And be careful because if you know what good is <laughs> you do and you do don't it. do it, it's sin. Yep. So yeah. the more you know about God, the more under the more obligated you are. The more responsible we are yeah. for our behavior. Yeah. I wonder if that's True. why our I wonder if that's why our video attendance has been falling off. <laughs> People are like, well, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> we just keep putting another nail in the coffin. That's right. Know? This is good stuff. I love it. <laughs> Most of the days. Uh, let's jump in, because uh, he, he goes on to say in uh, verse 10, right? An example of suffering and patience, brothers. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Uh, he includes Job in there. But isn't it interesting that he gives them as an example the prophets who did what? Spoken his name. They right? spoke in the name of the Lord, and most of them were rejected by God's people. Mm. Most of them were rejected. In fact, we, we saw, I, I, I don't remember what week it was. It was either last week or the week before. But we were talking about how the prophets were killed and beaten. Mm-hmm. That was a regular occurrence. To the point where Jesus uses it in a parable with the Pharisees, and they get all up in arms wanting to kill him because they're like, hey, he's talking about us. Uh, yep. <laughs> like, just like he's talking about us right now <laughs> in this text. <laughs> but isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's, the, that's his illustration of patience and suffering are prophets who faithfully fulfilled the office of prophet even when it cost them their life. Yeah. Well, and that's what the, I mean, the definition of endurance. It's something that you're going through something that's hard. <laughs> right. Th- and, and you're not wiggling out from underneath of it. Uh-uh. You, you actually stay there knowing that the, pro- the results of that will be maturity. That's James 1. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, yet Job and the prophets were to take those examples and see that the outcome of, those, of God's dealings with them is full of is compassion. His compassion. Mercy. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Now, yeah, yeah. I mean, see, that's messy because now you have to start redefining your concept of merciful and compassionate and what a good result is. Hmm. You, I mean, think about because if you just take Job's life, okay, fine. He ended up with more herds and more kids at the end of it, but he lost his whole family. I mean, he lost all of his kids. All of his herds, I mean, good? Well, and and if you take the prophets as an example, you know, they didn't even get back any physical possessions. Right. A lot of them, at least. It wasn't about about gaining something in this life. It was about giving up your life for the reward that follows. That follows. Yeah. So, I mean... For the coming of the Lord, which is actually exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. The outcome of the Lord's dealings. But the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. I mean, 
I look at the prophets and I see their lives and personally, it's hard to see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's hard to see compassion and mercy when he's exacting so much from these men, you know, requiring so much from them in their life and they're giving just the suffering. Take Hosea. Being told you're going to go and marry a prostitute Mm -hmm. and and she's going to cheat on you just so that you can be an example to Israel about their idolatry. But I want to be the faithful one, Lord. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. Um, I just, that boggles my mind. I, I look at some of those and I think. <sighs> and we haven't yet seen their reward for, no. for that. Nope. But we have not. Isn't it in Hebrews? I can't remember where it's at. Um, where, uh, or may, actually it might be in Peter. But um, where uh, the writer actually says that in God's patience he he withheld, but I, I, no, it's got to be Hebrews because they they anticipated they could see it coming, even though they never experienced by faith they trusted the promise of the coming Messiah, even though they didn't see it in their lifetime, mm-hmm. they understood what what their job was and that there was there was promise coming, and so by faith they fulfilled their role, even yeah. though they never saw it. I think it's Hebrews, yeah, um, and. What it, that that really is the perspective of the prophet. Yeah, and and you know Jesus tells his disciples, "Blessed are those who who believe and yet do not see." Yeah, you know, that's that's the boat that we're in. You know, we we've we're reading the scriptures and we've heard the Lord's coming is near. You know, and and it puts questions into your head of, "Well, is he near?" Right. You know, <laughs> right. Is he near? Because yeah. the, the apostles, the disciples, and the early church fathers, they all died in their faith. Um, and they're with him now, so they were near for, yeah. for them, you know, uh, comparatively. Uh, we'll ask the but, question to, for today. Is he near right now? Yeah. In in inner cities during, I mean, the, the, the people that are dying from disease, the people that are dying in the riots, people that are, I mean, is he near? Mm-hmm. That's a question of faith for us. Yeah, that's, that, and is. that's that's just it. You know, it's like you just have to have faith and hope in the promise of Jesus telling his disciples, you know, that that we're blessed because we didn't we didn't get to see him. Yep. Yet we still believe. Yep. In his promises and what he came to do for us, which is one of the things I love about. And, and we got one last piece to get to if we can make it into it tonight, but. One of the things I love about Scripture and the way that God brought Scripture into being um, and has preserved it over the thousands of years that it's been preserved, that, that we have the old manuscripts and we have historic evidence um, that, that has been dated back and that has been substantiated by non-biblical writers, by secular writers identifying and talking about the s- same things we see in Scripture mm-hmm. and, 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 and um, you know, affirming the 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 historical accuracy and the historical uh, presence of this text. So God, in His grace, said, "Trust me," but I'm also going to give you a history lesson so you can look back and see who I am. Israel's constantly told, "Remember what I did in the desert. Remember how I brought you out of Egypt. Remember how I did this. Remember when I rescued this." He's always telling them to go back and look at my track record. When I mm-hmm. ask you to trust me, look at what I, uh, who I am and what I've done. Yeah. That you can believe. 
and yeah. Anyway, I, I love that, that that we have his word, that that we get to actually go back and look at this. And it's not just by faith. We're, we're not just going, boy, I hope this happens. Yeah. But we know God's faithful. We watch him do it, and, there, and there's evidence in the text. And I love that. Yeah, and, and it's, it's baffling that we can blind ourselves to that evidence, you know, that, but there's so much imagery around us. Not only is there evidence, you know, scientifically that, that supports archaeologically, you know, the, the findings of, of all these artifacts that if you, if you follow the Bible and all the historical narrative, you will find civilizations. Yep. You will yep. find the stories come alive. Yep. They've actually unlike have, any other book. Right. And they have. Archaeologists mm-hmm. have, have actually used scripture to go in, and they've found civilizations. Yeah. Um or, or digs and stuff yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah. But not only that, it's it's like we we're just talking about the imagery of, of the farmer, you know, and the spiritual truth of the reward of patience. Yeah. Um I, I think too about, you know, we're told we we're this present age, we're we're in the dark. Mm. You know, it's it's still night and that Christ comes with healing in his wings. Yep. The sun comes and there's imagery of, of the morning sun, right. You know, right. And him, him shining on us and healing us mm-hmm. and saving us. And, and, you know, you think about, you think about the night and the fear that we have of the unknown and not being able to see. And there's so much imagery in what we're experiencing in this life, in, in this physical life, yeah. not being able to see the the import of the spiritual realm around it and what's causing it to be what it is, right? But we see we see imagery, we see the impact of it. Yep, you know, yeah, and, and he did it beautifully. Yeah, I mean, it, it unique and beautiful and intentionally. I, I yeah, I, I think that I think that we miss that. I think too often we've lived in a we just take it for granted, and and we see all this imagery, and we see these things, and we've just for we've we've I don't know why, but we've just like, yeah, it is what you know, it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal, mm-hmm. and and he did it on purpose so that we would be paying attention to him, so that we it would pull our eyes off of ourselves and off of our situations and get them on him. Well, let's try and wrestle with that last verse because <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that he that he actually. What does your text say in verse 12? Uh, but above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. I think it's funny that he uses but above all in this. So we've got don't quarrel, don't, don't, what is it? Don't grumble against each other. By patience, wait for the Lord to show up. And then don't swear. By heaven or earth or any other thing, don't mm-hmm. don't don't make um and don't don't do oaths or or you know I think isn't that wouldn't that be part of the swearing mm-hmm. you're you're making a promise or swearing on something else yeah um but he says Wait, like, we, your yes BS. we think of promises as being good things you know we're always right. swearing you know yes I promise to do this right so, right <laughs> I try to keep promises to my wife all the time absolutely you know absolutely. I, but maybe Any I Anything you want to talk about tonight? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, you know, the hard part is in in doing that, and I'm, I'm a, man, I get so wrapped up in my cotton-picking little life 
<laughs> that I'll forget things that I've told. When we talk about doing that with stuff for your bride, I'll forget things that she's given me. Hey, can you please do this? Yes, I'll get it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll totally forget it. One of the one of the most, and it's, it's an innocuous one, but it really wounded her. And this was this was a while back. It, it wasn't yesterday. Um, it really wasn't yesterday. And sometimes I'm sarcastic with that, but it really wasn't. At least I don't think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday, hun? Anyway, we'll talk about that <laughs> when I get home. Um, but she asked me to do the laundry, mm. and I was playing video games, which is probably dangerous thing but i'm working on listening and and actually you know not just doing something and going "Uh uh uh-huh yeah exactly and i'm like yeah i'll get it and i didn't and the washer mildewed and got raunchy and so we had to rewash all of it but what what really hurt her was that i said yes and then it wasn't important enough for me to actually prioritize in my own heart and i didn't mean to do that i i intended to do it mm-hmm. um but i can do that really easily yeah and so if i can do that with my bride where i have immediate consequences i you know if i wound her my relationship is broken and and that's an immediate consequence that happens in this life that i notice pretty quickly imagine how much we could do that with the lord or with other brothers and sisters or with the world, because he doesn't seem he doesn't qualify this as being just within the church. Mm-hmm. This looks like it's the character of the believer that yes is yes and no is no. You don't have to swear by anything because when you say yes, people know you're going to get it done. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, I think you mentioned this last week is that you know some of the worst businessmen are are Christians. Yep. Just unreliable. You know, their yes isn't yes and their no isn't no. And I that's like we shouldn't need to promise. No. Our word should be our bond. Yep. You know? We <laughs> should so what you're saying is we shouldn't need contracts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should yeah, we should be able to just say it, huh? Not <laughs> shake a hand or crazy? anything. Yeah. But, but you can't do that. Well the uh, we've had emphasis on the tongue too. Yeah. You know, we know Absolutely. that we know the negative effects of it, but as Christians, yeah. there should be there should be confidence, and uh, you know, the tongue should express the character of God, <laughs> right? You know, in our in our lives, but the influence of God in our hearts, yeah, because unfortunately, it reflects what's in our heart. So, yeah, if I say yes, and I don't do it, well, I, and I think God here. He's commanded us not to swear because what would we swear by? You know, it. Yeah. Well, by heaven, he's saying anything spiritual. I mean, basically taking an oath with God. Yeah, but swearing shows confidence in yourself to be able to perform your promise. Oh, yeah, because tie it with, we're going to go here and do this or this, but instead we should say the Lord wills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. So the only person who is allowed to swear is God. Hebrews, right. Hebrews, he says, yeah, you know, or he swore by himself, for there was no one greater, right, nothing greater to swear by. Yep, you know, so obviously swearing is okay. Swearing is a good thing, right? But just for God, yes, not for us, <laughs> right? Because he, well, and it's it be, it's because of who he is. He's able to fulfill whatever promise right. he makes. Yeah, it's an issue we're, of power we're and incapable. ability. Yeah, 
of, of fulfilling the promise um, in the sense that we don't control the time, we don't control our days, we don't control the outcome of an event. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's why when we, <laughs> we have to ask God for things to be done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, can't, we can't command it. You know, we don't ask ourselves. Yep, yep. It's, that's isn't why that, prayer is so important. <laughs> isn't that interesting, even tonight as we're talking about this, because where my head goes back to when we're, when we're saying that we've got to be dependent on the Lord because he's the one that does the outcome. He's the one that, that can fulfill promises and complete all these things, and, and he's the one that finishes what he started in us. All, all of those things are all running through my head, and it ties, it just jumps back to me that he's the one that causes the growth in the disciple-making process of Apollos. You know, when we just tied it back to the farming side for me, mm-hmm. that we're trusting God in this to provide, to, to um, help us endure in patience the suffering and the difficulties. Our, our examples are the prophets who are faithful in suffering, even to the point of death mm-hmm. and loss and all those things. And and then he ties this yes be yes, but it don't don't make an oath, but just be men of character, letting God be the one that is the authority and the and and the sovereign mm-hmm. in all these things, and not taking it on ourselves, not not taking that position of I can guarantee this will be done. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, man, yeah. I hope this was a good time for you guys, Stefan. We're all out of time. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I sure enjoy this. I, this has just been an awesome time. And, and I'm, if you have joined us tonight and you're in, enjoying this, being encouraged, I, I want to encourage you to share this with a friend or somebody that, that maybe needs to just be challenged or encouraged or listen to two goofy guys laugh about their own dumb jokes or goofy ideas. I'm not sure. They were my dumb jokes and and I don't know. Anyway. We're <laughs> I sure, laughed with you. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we laughed. Um, but it is sure good to have you here and join our time in the Word. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage you to take the time to be in the Word. You can study. You can wrestle with this stuff. You can follow your own cross-references, your own study notes. I've got my study Bible right here with lots of extra notes in it just to help wrestle with and start building an opportunity or a growth experience for you and for me in the Word of God together. And it's especially helpful if you get a friend that'll come and sit down and talk through, what What do you think that means? What do you mm-hmm. see? What does your Bible say? You got a different translation. What does it say? To take this time to sit down and wrestle with this, this can be a gift for you, for your home, for your family. It's I think it's what God's called us to be doing. So my hope is that this is encouraging and you will find the inspiration and the desire to get in the Word tomorrow and share a passage with somebody and say, Lord, what are you teaching? What are you doing? Open my eyes, help me to see, open my heart that I would hear from you and that what would come out of my mouth would be that which would honor and glorify you. Amen. So be patient as you wait for the Lord. He is near. Amen, right? Amen. (laughs) I just, we got to believe that and start trusting him for every day and every moment. He's alive and well. Uh, Amen. Man, a lot of amens. All right, (laughs) we'll see you guys. Have a great night. Thanks for coming.